Thank you, thank you all. Thank you so much. Thought this morning we'd just sit and talk football for a while. So how was it, Paul? Good game, brother? Yeah, roll tight, huh? Yeah, okay, fine. Oh, oh yeah, okay, maybe, that, maybe that's not what we ought to do. Hey, I want to wrap up Unleashing the Power Within. We did a church-wide study. We spent a lot of time in small groups. We spent a lot of time in the scripture here from the pulpit. I started a few weeks ago with an introductory message that had the stage set like this, and I'd like to see if we can bring it all together and transition out of it. How can I unleash the power within today? Unleashing the power within, we discovered over the course of our study, includes uh, our need to be pruned by the Father, he prunes so that we'll, be, we'll bear more fruit, much fruit. I need to be abiding with Jesus. Uh, if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. And, and I need to be controlled by the Spirit that was given to lead me into all truth. So those are the three things that we, in big picture, that we, that we got. How do I unleash the power that God has bestowed in me by the Holy Spirit? I do it by being uh, I, I do it by being pruned, I do it by, being a, by abiding with Jesus, I do it by being controlled. Okay, so we're going to see if we can figure out what that may look like going back to the stage I set eight weeks ago. And let me just remind you how we're set up. This is me. This is the experiences of my life, especially as a child, and the interpretations that I gave to them. And, and that over there, this single chair with all the Bible stacked up on it, represents that point in my life when I came to a relationship with Jesus. I understood intellectually who he was, and I chose to place faith in him. And as you may recall from that message eight weeks ago, the challenge that we had here is our double-mindedness. The ability to simultaneously hold two opposing beliefs at the same time. We find ourselves very often as believers saying, that, yes, that's, I believe that, that's what I want, but over here comes opposition that, that, uh, that stands in the way, that fights against it. And I, so I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and pull in two different directions. And the core beliefs are interpretations of the experiences of our life. We usually interpret them through a filter of me, and they're usually distorted and wrong. And we'll look at those in just a minute. And core beliefs usually fall into two categories, either my self-identity, who am I, or the state of my being, where I am in life and how either hopeful or hopeless it is. Okay, core beliefs. So let's, give me, let's just run a few examples of the core beliefs just to let you know how very often I may put the lens on over here as life happens to me. I may end up evaluating why things occur and this is why baby dedication is such a great Sunday, when adoption emphasis is such a great Sunday to talk about this because all of those families that were standing here and standing here have, have children who are going through this part of life, getting ready to interpret, to put on lenses through which they're going to view life. And so over 20 years of ministry, here's some things, here's some lens colors I've heard. I'm not worth providing for. I'm not worth caring about. I'm not worth 
uh, providing or fighting for. There is something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm not like the rest of the people in this room. I will never amount to anything. I'm not good enough to love. I'm not good enough to stay with. Oh, wait, there's more. I'm not good enough to care about. I'm trapped in the cycle. There's no hope for me. I'm too much to handle. I'm a burden. I'm an overwhelming burden. I'm, I'm too weak and too emotional. I'm tainted and dirty because what has happened to me, this is all I'm good for. Yeah, you're going, wow, those people that have those are really screwed up. Yes, you are. I just I gave you enough of a menu that you can find at least one or two that you recognize. No, no, that wouldn't happen to someone who has a relationship with Jesus. Those wouldn't be issues in their lives. Well, then I wouldn't have a job at Journey Ministries. Because most of the people that come into my office for pastoral counseling have a, a relationship with Jesus. Some of them a deep and growing relationship with Jesus. A great, they work on church staff. Some of them, other churches. <laughs> and yet, just this last week, I dealt with a 40-year-old lady who believes she's not worth caring for, that she's not worth taking, taking care of, that she's not worth loving. And at 40, she finds herself in an adulterous relationship that she knows is wrong, but just can't walk away from because... I finally found someone who cares and can be the answer to the lie that I, or the emotion that I believe. Those are the challenges that we sometimes have. You know, and they affect our relationships at work. They affect our relationships in our marriage. They affect your parenting. And I, most importantly, from us gathered here this morning, when I start to embrace those kinds of beliefs in my life, they affect my relationship with God. I know God loves me, but I just can't believe he would because there's something so wrong with me. I know God will never leave me, but I, I'm such a burden no one would ever want to be with me, even God, as great and magnificent as he is. When you view life through the distorted lenses, you're going to come to distorted conclusions and distorted behaviors. All right. Sometimes you're not going to get those initial emotions or feelings, beliefs, because you just don't sit around going, I'm not worth loving, usually. But I'll bet we can get there by looking at your behaviors. Let's just run a few of those and see if those are familiar. Because of what I feel and believe over here, I am going to keep my emotions in check. I'll be Spock. Sorry, Jeff. I will not be weak, however I interpret that, which means I will never cry. I'll never ask for help, never, because that would mean I was weak. And I don't want to be weak because I've got to protect myself. In fact, sometimes I'm going to live behind an internal wall. Some of you recognize this. Yes, the drum cage groves. No, no, no. Okay, put it in. I can see every one of you, but I can't get near to some of you because you got one of these around you. You got that internal wall that says, I'll let you come close. I'll even let you be my friend, but I'm not going to let you into my heart. To do that would be vulnerable and dangerous. So I'm going to protect myself with my little internal wall. Um, it's kind of lonely and quiet back there, but yeah. Anger is the best way to prove I matter. If I just get angry at you, you'll pay attention to me. 
because I'm not heard unless I'm angry. I'll take care of myself. I must give myself to the first person who says they love me, which was this woman's dilemma that I was describing for you. I cannot let anyone see who I really am because if they see who I am underneath my little identity that I've created so that I'm presentable, then they would walk away from me. You know, a whole lot of relationships, friendships, marriages, but friendships and relationships end because we're friends, we do things together, we're getting close, and all of a sudden you're so close you might really discover who I think I am, and so I need to back away from you in a painful way. And that relationship, you go, what, what happened to that? Uh, okay. There is no point in trying to do more than just get by. I have to be perfect for God to accept me. I mean, much more you. God doesn't want me. I need to control what I can and avoid what I can't. This is interesting. Controlling personalities, we often say, wow, they are strong leaders. No, in the majority of the cases, there's a lingering sense of incompetence that manifests itself in controlling what I can and avoiding what I can't. See, those people really are messed up, aren't they? Yes, you are. Okay, so when we have those emotions and those beliefs, we are so desperate to find a solution for the feelings that stem from those beliefs that, that I often do things that seem to keep those underlying emotions in check. Unfortunately, the majority of those are sinful. Okay, that young lady last week who is in this middle of this, this immoral relationship and is having a real hard time thinking about even walking away from it, uh, even though she knows it's right, it's sinful, but it seems to prove that she is worth loving and is worth caring for and is worth being with. And so it's really hard to give that up. And most sin, most sin is simply a solution for the emotions that are attached to my distorted core beliefs. Some sin is just because I'm a nasty guy. You know, I, that nature in me that used to be there before Jesus just lusts after stuff. Uh, but a whole lot of it, the majority of it, comes from over here as I'm trying to resolve that. Somewhere along the path, I learn about Jesus, and I make the choice to believe in him, place my faith in him. And, and as, we, as we understood, if you were here the first time, a whole lot happens in that moment. That happens instantly when I place faith in Jesus, like you may this morning, as you, you know, you may come to a conviction. I need you, Lord. I need, I understand that you rescued me from what I could not rescue myself from. Never end on a preposition. Sorry, English teachers. And I place my faith and trust in you. Whole lot happens. I'll understand more of it as I study the Bible, which is a great, you know, reason for, to come together and worship and to join a life group. But even if you're not aware of them, and even if you don't believe them or feel them, they're still true. Here, let's run a list of things that happen the moment I place my faith in Jesus. All your sin is forgiven. You access all the forgiveness you'll ever need. The Holy Spirit comes to live within your body. You become a new creation. You're not that messed up thing that you were a minute ago. You're no longer a slave to sin. Wouldn't that be great if that felt true? Okay? But it's true you're no longer a slave to sin. You may choose to sin, but you're no longer a slave to it. You have great value as an adopted child. Boy, we emphasize that this morning. Co-heir with Jesus. Without him, I can do nothing. I can do all things through him. He told me that. If I acknowledge him in all my ways, he'll direct my paths. I don't always have to come up with the answer. I'm saved by grace so I can stop working so hard to gain God's approval and acceptance. 
I can cast my cares on him because he cares for me. I'm never alone. I'm never unloved. Because of what Christ, what Christ did in Christ, I'm good enough for God. I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness by the blood of Jesus. If you don't understand that list or even one or two things on the list, this morning may be the time you go, what's that about? That's about placing faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what happens when we do that. Now, it would be really, really great if the two sides of this stage, my core beliefs, deeply rooted in emotion, and my faith beliefs were in total harmony. Wouldn't that be great? In fact, that's what God is working towards. You and I being transformed by renewing our mind to get these two to be more in harmony. And that's not the problem. It's over here that needs a little work. It's over here that needs a lot of work. Okay? How do I know that they're not in harmony? Because I say or think this phrase, I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. And there's a reason for everything you feel, and there's a reason for everything you do. I don't know why I did that. Unacceptable answer. Okay? There's a reason for everything that you feel and do, and no one can make you feel anything. Well, of course I feel this way. My husband, no, sorry, can't go there. Of course I feel this way. My children, no, no, God's not going to let you go there. Now, they do a real good job of exposing what you feel and believe, but no one can make you and I feel anything. They just give us opportunities to make a choice about what we're going to feel. When knowing the right answer and trying harder, which are kind of the church approaches to things at times, when knowing, learn more, try harder, when that's not enough, guilt and shame show up. I'm guilty. I should be trying harder. I'm not good enough. God, I'll do it hard. I'll be, uh, more. I give. Uh. Sadly, too many pastors and preachers, at least in my life, have used this guilt and shame to motivate you to more spiritual behavior. You should feel really bad that you're not doing this. If you're not giving, if you're not, God's not happy with you. You need to study more, do more, and try harder. Don't ever let us do that here. If you sense us doing that, you, you call Dale. <laughs> if you ever sense that we're, you know, we don't live under guilt and shame as believers. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Do I need to motivate? Yeah, that's my job, hopefully. But not by your shame and guilt. And you know what? Here's something even worse. Let's just be really transparent. Sometimes we pastors need you to behave more spiritually so we can feel better about ourselves. You know, I work really hard as a pastor. I, I do messages, I, you know, I, and, and I want to feel good. And if all of you are still screwed up, you know, when you leave here in an hour, I have failed miserably. And I, I go home feeling, like, what was the point? You know, I try so hard, it's never good enough, I'm not acceptable. Ooh, that whole list of things over here. And so, folks, I need you to go out and save people today, get involved in your community, and I need you to start giving Let's do it! So I can go home and feel good about myself. Don't let us do that either. Okay? 
when the right, right answer, it's, it's, that's the problem. It's not that you and I necessarily lack faith. If you're here and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the faith that you need. The problem, like we talked about before, is that it has all these impurities in it that need to be dealt with if we choose to deal with them. We want purer faith. It might mean we have to refine some of my core beliefs, the things that I embrace as true. It's the purifying of my faith. Trying, working with the Holy Spirit to bring my core beliefs in harmony with my faith beliefs. Because the more pure my faith, the more the power within will be unleashed. If I just believed more, no, you probably believe enough. It's just that these voices over here go, no way. The Holy Spirit says, I would love to give you an opportunity to go talk to your neighbor. Here, let me set that up for you. And over here you go, yeah, but what if they don't like me? Yeah, but I want to feel like I matter. I, want to, I, can't, I can't risk that, God. And the Holy Spirit is not unleashed in our lives. Okay, so let's go and see if we can make some application over what we learned over our study together uh, of unleashing. And we said there were three things that, that we picked up as key concepts. One, I need to be pruned by the Father. Removing that which drains energy from the vine so that which remains can flourish and bear much fruit. This verse from James is written to Christian believers. They are people who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and they are bearing some fruit, undoubtedly. But James says God wants you to bear more fruit and much fruit, so consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance finishes its work so that you can be mature and complete, lacking nothing, not controlled by this. This in harmony with that. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. The power within unleashed. That was the part we didn't like so much. Okay? Because pruning, trials, are usually painful. Okay, I got a head nod back there that she understands that. Good. <laughs> okay? Uh, that's true. The trials are, are meant to expose what I really feel and believe. That's how I kind of defined it eight weeks ago. I said, you know it's a trial? Wherever it comes from, when it reveals an emotion that is not consistent with that. Or a belief, a feeling that's big, out of proportion, and definitely not consistent with that. And then I gave you an example, because no more had I you know, shared that sermon but, but then I, I chastised the, you know, the other group, the 1045, because, of course, you all get here on time. You know, but the 1045 group got you know, a little word from me. Uh, I pruned them. wasn't appropriate. Nonetheless, I stepped out into the hallway, having ended the service that way, and a brother confronted me. Now, whether he was right or wrong in his opinion, I don't know, but he confronted me and said, you shouldn't have done that. And you know what happened inside of me instead of, well, yeah, I understand, but I really felt God wanted me to, or, you know, thank you for sharing that insight and that opinion. All of a sudden, it started to rise. Right here. I could feel it. Okay. What? What are you talking about? No. You mean you want, 
well, you know, we should just be happy that people are here. No, no, we need them to perform well. And all of a sudden, when it got about here and my language, the, the intensity of my voice started to get really tight, I went, uh-oh, I know what this is. I said, uh, we, need, we need to stop this conversation. Thank you for sharing that. Off I went to my office to have a little conversation with God. God, I don't know what this emotion is that's rising up in me, but it's not consistent with that. It has nothing to do with what I said or did not say. To the car. It's what was rising up inside of me. It's not from you. What is that? And you know what I discovered as I sat with the Lord? I discovered, and I wrote that to you, but let me remind you, I discovered that I believe, believe that I was responsible to protect Pastor Dale from disappointment because people are late to church. God said, not your job. I believed I was responsible to protect Arthur and the praise team from disappointment when people were late to church. God said, not your job. You know, in both of those cases, he says, what do you think I'm here for? Maybe I need Pastor Dale to come to me with his disappointment. Maybe I, you, you interrupted, Jim, get out of the way. Oh, and I really, dis, I really felt like it was my job as a pastor to protect God from disappointment. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> you know, I got to get you to come to church on time so God can feel good today. Not my responsibility. And I got pruned. And that was good because it'll help me grow and bear more fruit. I need to be abiding with Jesus. Abiding, pastor helped us define as the choice to remain in constant connection with Jesus in order to bear fruit, even much fruit. Let's talk about abiding for a minute. At the men's breakfast yesterday, uh, Arthur shared, and it was wonderful. I always love to listen to Arthur. Um, lots of good things happen here on Sundays after you leave. You know, there's a Spanish service. Pastor William and, and that team come, and they just share an incredible word from God in a, in a way that's in that worships, and then 6 o'clock, the youth come back, and they always have an incredible word from Arthur or someone on the team or a guest. Good things, but Arthur was sharing, and he was talking about rest in Jesus. And it made me think for a minute, abiding. Oh, I'm abiding with Jesus, and it's comfortable, and well, it could be. I thought about abiding with people. Sometimes abiding with people is enjoyable. Yesterday at the men's breakfast was enjoyable as I was in that room for a period of time with those men. Abiding with them was enjoyable. Sometimes abiding is relaxing and fulfilling. When Jeff and Diana sleep in on a Saturday morning, get up, have a cup of coffee in their pajamas, and just sit around all morning and get to football late because they lost track of time, okay, they're enjoying and fulfilling that, in that abiding moment. Sometimes abiding is wonderfully tiring. Is that an oxymoron? Maybe. Wonderfully tiring. There is just something sometimes about getting out there in the parking lot and pulling up trees and laying down mulch with a bunch of other people that is, and serving the Lord and doing that. It just is exhausting in a wonderful kind of way. And sometimes abiding with other people is arduous, uncomfortable, and painful. Ask people who might come to my office for ministry because they're coming to address these things that interfere with the relationship with other people or their marriages 
or their God. And they abide with me in that place. And it is arduous and uncomfortable and painful. Okay, let's see if there's a parallel to Jesus. Abiding with Jesus, whatever that looks like, and, and it's different for you than it is for Lori. Okay? It's different for you today than it will be next month. Okay? Whatever abiding with Jesus is, sometimes it's enjoyable. There's nothing like sitting there with the sun coming through the window with a cup of coffee, reading my Bible and gaining insights into the character of my Lord Jesus Christ. That's just enjoyable. Sometimes abiding with Jesus is relaxing and fulfilling. There are those quiet moments when he just kind of puts his arms around you and holds you. Very, very special. Sometimes it's wonderfully tiring. Maurice and Jennifer Campos just got back from Columbia on a, from a mission trip. They worked hard, went all day long for seven or eight days, came home exhausted, and it was wonderfully tiring to abide with Jesus in Columbia. And sometimes it's arduous and uncomfortable and painful. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Sometimes it'll be painful and arduous because I want you to be more like me. Abiding with Jesus. The Lord comforts, but the Lord also heals. It would be really, really good I, if you were, if you had a disease or or a problem in your physical body, it would be wonderful to go to a doctor who would comfort you, empathize with your pain, maybe even give you a hug. Wouldn't that be great? That's not worth a hundred bucks because I went to the doctor to get healed, even if it meant something painful were to occur. But sometimes I think, I think we get the things, I just need to abide with Jesus and it's all going to be wonderful and comforting and fulfilling. And so much of the time it is. But sometimes abiding with Jesus is going to be healing. And it's going to be painful and arduous and uncomfortable. Because he's purifying our faith. So they can unleash the power within. Okay, and here's pastor's basic math of abiding. Working less for him. Spending more time with him. Ah. That yields much fruit. Finally, controlled by the Spirit. I need to be pruned by the Father, abiding with Jesus. I need to be controlled by the Spirit. The choice to let the Holy Spirit guide me into all truth. Paul was so frustrated with the Galatian church that he wrote this. You foolish Galatians. Dear Avalon Church, peace and grace to you, you foolish people. Okay, you foolish Galatians. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? The goal of purifying our faith and unleashing the power within. Are you trying to do that by human effort? Yeah, because over here when this stuff that is impure and in the way, I do a lot of stuff in my human effort to solve it instead of inviting the Holy Spirit to be involved in resolving it. Not tolerable recovery, I feel better today, but healing and purification. 
The human effort is more focused on learn more, do more, try harder. And this is how we try to resolve the internal conflict with our of our distorted core beliefs and emotions, which regrettably often end up manifesting themselves in sexual immorality. You know, that lady I was talking about. Adultery, pornography, hatred, angry outburst, selfishness, dissension and division, factions, discord, envy, and substance abuse. Where'd you get that list, Jim? Uh, Galatians 5. Oh, wait a minute. Sometimes I envy. Uh-huh, why? Because I don't feel like I matter enough unless I have what you have. Why, do I, why is this lady committing adultery? Because I want to feel like I'm worth loving and worth caring for. Oh, I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. Etc. Etc. Like all other relationships, we bring baggage into our relationship, even with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Dale pointed that out to us and said, even in that relationship, we start to justify our sin. But God, surely you understand. But God, surely you want me to be happy. Well, then read Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Because that's the closest you're going to get to happy is in all of the New Testament. And you probably won't like the verses. Okay? The area over here is where the Holy Spirit is most active. He gives you that. He grows that. He enlightens that. He purifies that. You know, you know that God prunes over here too? Because there's a whole lot of things you intellectually believe that just aren't accurate at all. The world is not flat. I'm sorry. Okay? You go, well, that was stupid. Yeah, but people believed that a long time ago. And you and I believe a lot of stuff that sometimes God says, let me prune that out and make room for the, the truth. Okay? So that, that is important. But this is where the Holy Spirit is to purify my faith and unleash the power that hinder, that is being hindered or quenched, uh, I need to let him work over here. And it's really crowded over here because my core beliefs are over here and the Holy Spirit's over here and the demons are over here. It's really busy on this side of the stage, which is why I choose to ignore it and just try harder, work more, learn more. It's interesting that the consistent message of the New Testament is submit more not try harder. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, is what James says, and he will lift you up because God opposes the proud. Cooperate, he says. One more portion of Scripture out of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, which is, which, is, <clears throat> which is translated in the Greek. Yeah, I had to do that. The Greek word there is to be pulled in different directions. Wait, where have we heard that before? James, double-minded, pulled in different directions. New voice. It's not James, it's Paul now. Paul says... 
you know, I want you to rejoice. I want you to, I want you to have a, you know, a thankful heart here. Uh, and, and I don't want you to be pulled in two directions. And when you feel pulled in two directions about anything, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Prayer, which is adoration and worship and praise and maybe a little talk about. You know, it's that kind of general conversation that we have. Okay. And petition, supplication. Now we're getting serious, God. Okay, I love you, but there's this thing going on. Now, usually the thing going on is, I need more money to pay the bills. But he's really concerned about these things that are going on. This is what pulls us in a different direction. He says, I want you to talk to me about this. I feel like you don't love me. I know that's not true, but he says, good. You're serious. You acknowledge it. You're involved in it. Now, let me work in that. Oh, and I want you to be thankful. Thanksgiving. Pray in general. Praise and adoration. Petition hard about these things. Be thankful because you know how you discovered these? Through trials. Count it all joy when the poop hits the fan. Okay? Because that's when the stuff gets exposed. So, so when you're pulled in two different directions, I, I want you to pray, and then I want you to petition and I want you to be thankful that this is happening because it's purifying your faith. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned to receive from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. See how Paul addresses both of them? If you're pulled in two different directions, I want you to talk to God. And I want you, after you've had some conversations with God, I want you to intentionally think about things that are good and holy and right and pure. Get all of you involved in the process. How often are you pulled in two different directions? Well, that's as often as you should be praying. And that's probably where pray without ceasing comes from. Because very often we're pulled in two different directions, aren't we? The absence of peace indicates that I am still double-minded and pulled in different directions. And where I am double-minded and pulled in different directions, I hinder and quench the unleashing of the power within. I need to be pruned by the Father. I need to be abiding with Jesus. And I need to be controlled by the Spirit. Finally, I would not want you to think that if we just got this right, whatever getting this right means, if, if we just figured out all the messages from the last seven or eight weeks and the power of the Holy Spirit was unleashed, I don't want you necessarily thinking that the day of Pentecost is happening all over again. Because you know how many times the day of Pentecost happened in the New Testament? Uh, once. But thereafter, the unleashing of the Holy Spirit was manifested in the lives of individuals. Imagine what it would look like if the Holy Spirit, the power within, was unleashed in my life. How I might change. Now imagine with me 
an entire church. An entire church unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit because we've been arduously, dedicatedly, reverently working on the things that hinder that and letting him bring truth to our inmost man. Imagine a church where every marriage did not have people depending on each other to find worth and value. Wouldn't it be great if every marriage here, for every couple in this room, you didn't need your spouse to feel worthy and loved and valued? Because you know Jesus loves you and you resolve the issues here. I want Debbie to love me. I want to be with her. I like being with her. I pray with her. But I'll never, I'll never forget Debbie sharing with somebody, I don't need Jim. I just want him. Wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be intriguing if, if the Holy Spirit was unleashed in every marriage and you didn't need all this from your spouse? Because you know what? That's where all the fighting and arguing comes from. I need you to perform in a certain way so I can feel good about myself. Wouldn't it be great if the power of the Holy Spirit was unleashed in every individual life in this room? Wouldn't it be great if the Holy Spirit, the power within, was unleashed in every young person's life and they did not need immoral behavior in order to fit in and feel valued? Wow! Wouldn't that be incredible? What if the Holy Spirit was unleashed in every person's life, individual, such that I don't need to talk poorly about you so I can feel good about me? Can you imagine if the entire room lived with the unleashed Holy Spirit in your individual life? People would be Knocking at the door. When does church start? I want to know that in my life. And it only comes through a relationship with Jesus where I allow myself to be pruned by the Father, where I abide with Jesus, even when it's painful and arduous at times, and I actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand with me, folks? Lord, I don't know what that looks like. But just like the folks that stood in front of us because they had chosen to adopt, the magnitude of the problem was overwhelming. 153 children worldwide and yet they cooperated with you and took one or two or three. And in that, you are working mightily. Father, what could you do? What do you want to do if the Holy Spirit was unleashed in individual lives? Invite us to that journey. And Lord, for those who do not have that initial relationship, have not placed faith in you, do not have a chair on the left-hand side of the stage, invite them. 
invite them to that relationship. And if they want to let me know about it, that'd be really great.